Welcome to summer trading. It's a little dicey. By the way, this is class, what, number four? Before I start talking about that stuff, what class again are we? Four, which means you've been through three, which means you don't know what the heck you're doing yet, right? You've only heard 60% of the material. So lighten up on the emails, lighten up on yourself saying, I've been doing this for four days now and I'm not getting it. What's wrong? I, I won't look at the person that sent me the note, but I got from a couple of people saying, this is really weird. I found the most pristine setup I've ever seen, and it didn't work. Here's all the charts. Can you explain to me why it didn't? And I didn't reply. I'm thinking it's because you don't know anything yet. I don't know how to say that. There's so much you haven't seen. So lighten up on the emails to me because you haven't seen everything yet. And more importantly, lighten up on yourself. There's a lot of stuff you still got to see. So what, you've seen 60% of this, and you didn't understand 90% of the 60% you saw. And now I'm going to put another 40% on top of that. It's not going to make sense by the time you finish up next week or the next class. It is not going to make sense. That's fine. Which is why I say, write down everything I say. And then as you go back and start going through this again, then it will be in your notes, and now you can start to put the pieces into place. It is not going to make sense over the next few weeks. So let, allow yourself to fail, right? It's going to, oh, you know what I'm talking about, huh? <laughs> it's going to take a while. It's going to take years. It won't take months. If you think you're going to get it quick, eat the humble pie. So give yourself the opportunity to fail. You're going to fail at this for quite a while. It's going to take a long time to get. Lighten up. Relax. You're going to do this till the day you die. So if you think about that, we range in age from, I think the youngest is 20-something up to 60. There's a guy that's 80 in the room. Right? We're probably going to make it till we're about 90. Right? So if you're in your 30s, you've got 60 years. If it takes you a year longer, it doesn't matter. If, you don't get this, if you're 30 today and you don't get it till you're 35, you'll get pissed when you're 33 and 34 that you haven't got it yet. When you're 36 and 37, you won't remember. And then you've got the next 50, 60 years from there. So lighten up on yourself. It takes a while. Give yourself the chance to fail. Okay? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly it. You hear what he has said? He said, I left my glass in front of the screen so you couldn't see the screen. It's about what you're seeing now as you're looking through charts when you're new. There's a lot of stuff you haven't seen yet. Just relax. Chill out. Do the work. Stuff will start to fall into place. So let's see. So today is similar to the other ones. It's class four. Logistics are still the same. Oh, something different today I'm going to try. You've heard some people have come up and have sent notes about the fast track class. I haven't responded to your emails if you're asking about that. And I purposely didn't. What I do today, if you have an interest in it, what I'll do is there's a couple. I forgot to ask them to show up. There's a couple that are here. Hopefully they'll volunteer. What I've done in years past is I have them come up at lunch. So it's an optional session. If you want to hear about it, um, bring your lunch in the room and ask them whatever questions you want. Ask it of them. I'll answer them. If you want, they can answer it. And so you get to hear it from one end of the horse or you get to hear it from the other end of the horse. It's up to you. But so that'll be at lunch today. So if you want to hear about it, just bring your lunch in the room. If you don't want to hear about it, don't bring your lunch in the room. So we'll do that then. And... Oh, on the fast track. The reason I do it that way, it saves me from answering 30 of the same questions via email. So do it all at once. There'll be questions that you may have that other people may have. You get to hear them all. 
and hear the answers from people. So that's really the logic behind it. It's not meant to be a sell job. It's really to save me a bunch of email time um, in, reply, in replying to the questions on it. What it is, we meet once a month for a year. We take this stuff and we really peel the onion back and go deep. It's pretty fun, but it's fun to teach. All right, so review. Quick thing, we talked last time about a tragedy plan. Anybody do it? First timers? God damn it, come on. Seriously, don't mess around with this stuff. You've got to do this. It's a simple thing to do. None of us are invincible. No, tomorrow isn't promised to anybody. It takes a few minutes to jot it down and get it done. If something were to happen, right, you want to at least have that taken care of. It, takes, it doesn't cost you anything. I'm not selling insurance. Just sit down and write it. Just think it out and get it done. I think I told the story last time of the guy. He's in the room today where he, he was driving down the freeway and his convertible flipped over. And he saw the freeway sliding at his eyes. So that kind of stuff can happen. So take the time to do that. Other review things. We understand what a trend is, right? Not with a trend line, but what a trend is. What is the direction of the overall, either the market, the sector, or the stock? And what we do is once we understand what the trend is, then we're looking for a triple cross. And we're looking for that on any number of time frames: the daily, the 233, or the 55. When we see that, that tells us, look further at this. There might be an opportunity here. That's when you delve deep and decide whether or not you're going to take action. The way you decide on all of these is not a coin toss. It's not looking at price. It's looking at the indicators. Indicators, indicators, indicators. And the indicators are starting from the top in the price area. You've got the two and the three moving average. They're red and green lines. Underneath that, then you've got Stoke, which is Stochastics RSI. Again, red and green lines. What I'm paying attention to is when they cross at the same time. And when I say cross, the, one of the first classes when I taught on this, I said when red crosses green. And I get this long-winded email from somebody one time, well, what about when green crosses red? And I thought, what in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and so then I, I, and I talked to her a couple weeks later, and she said, no, look at it. There's one of the indicators, I guess, in the way it was set up. If you look at it, when they do cross, we'll bring up a chart later on, you'll see that the, when they cross, the red one is overshadowing the green. And one of the indicators, the green is on top when they cross. And I said, that's anal. That's a micrometer. It's just red and green <laughs> crossing. So don't get too deep on this. When red cross, it's amazing the questions you get. When the indicators cross. So there's the two and the three. There's Stoke. Underneath that is what? MACD. And what do we know about MACD? What do I love? Love MACD. Always watching MACD. And then the last one is down below. That's the directionals, the DMI and the ADX. And again, we're looking at the directionals. So the directional indicators, the red and the green. What I'm looking for for a 3X is when the top three cross. So the two and the three, Stoke and MACD cross on the same candle. If I get the directionals crossing, that's awesome. I don't need it. So I want the three. If those three cross at the same time, that's, I call it a triple cross. If you want to think of it in Buffett terms, that's what he called that fat pitch that comes across the plate. And then we go analyze deeper. I got an interesting email. One of the, I don't see him here today, I think he's still there. One of the students went to Cooperstown over this past week. Cooperstown's where the Baseball Hall of Fame is. He sent me an email and it had a picture of a Ted Williams display. And it's got, I counted, there were nine by 11. So there were 77 baseballs up there. And they had written the batting average for each one of those baseballs in that strike zone. And that was to represent what I talked about before, where William is standing, showing how the bat would swing and what his batting average is. 
So he saw that and sent a note brief and he said, this is what you're talking about. I said, exactly, you get it. So what you're looking for on this, you're trying to identify what is the fat pitch, the 3X that you're looking for. Then also, once we find that 3X, you've got to be aware the market acts differently at different times of the year. We're in the depths of the summer. The market goes dead. Last couple of days, a little bit different. But up until that, it has just been dead. It's incredibly boring. You'll notice my tan is a little better than it was a couple weeks ago. Right? There's nothing to do. You've got to be aware of that. But now, if this is your first time through the class, this to you is normal because you've never looked at the market before. It's going to change when we get to September, October, November. I can't guarantee, but I would bet money on it. And it'll have a different personality. And that'll happen right about the time that you get comfortable with this dead zone that we go through typically in the summer. And then as we get through September, October, November, you'll start to get the rhythm of that. And once you get the rhythm of that, then it screws with you. Yep, it, exactly. Somebody just made the cut across the throat motion. And it'll mess with you. And now it turns into a psycho zombie starting about in January. And it'll act psycho zombie-esque from January through about May. And the cycle repeats again and again and again. So if you're doing well now, if you're first time through, just understand that's going to change. <laughs> you're going to get walloped. This is incredibly frustrating. So once we see the 3X, we decide we're going to enter. How big of a move are we looking for? A bucking out. Really what we're looking for is a chunk in the middle. Stock's going to come off the low. It's going to move a bit. We want that chunk. It's going to keep moving after we leave. You want it to keep moving after you exit. Occasionally, you'll get out right near the top. That's just luck. Pure blind luck. You want to have a chunk in the middle. You want to leave a little bit on the table for the next guy, and you don't want to get in right at the absolute low. Homework-wise or work-wise, hour to hour and a half a day, every single day, just doing the homework. Other homework that you had in your book to do things, that's going to add to your hour. But those are one-time things. You get it one and done to kind of get your mind around it. Be sure what I'm telling you is absolutely there. But it's an hour a day doing this. Every single day. It gets incredibly boring to have to work an hour a day. You all get pissed off working eight. It's really rough working one. Just understand. You get, you, but you got to focus for that one hour. Yes, sir. Uh, this question, do you include non-market days in that? So five days a week, you're spending an hour. The other two days, my guess is some of that time you'll spend maybe more time. Right? If you're doing, or we'll talk about earnings today, but you might be doing additional studies. And you got to walk away from it too. Right? That hour a day, that's nothing. But it, it's a lot of focus. So I'm not sure how to answer that. The answer is if you love it, you'll find that you'll spend a lot of time on a Saturday and Sunday. If you dread it, then... I would suggest you learn to love it because it pays really well and it's not a hell of a lot of work and you can do it till the day you die. Every day, you're going to write a market journal. How are we doing on the market journal so far? New people. Get it? Do you know what you're writing yet? Not really? Perfect. You should be confused. Your journal should suck early on because you don't know what you're doing, but that's fine. Just write stuff down and as you keep doing it, it starts to make more sense. You also do the news practice, 30 news trades, practice the news trades a week. How are we doing on that, new people? You don't get it, I mean, isn't that great? That's good though. So her point was, hey, I hear news that Mercedes sales went up and the stock dropped, right? It's incredibly frustrating. And so what does it tell you? So what, it tell, so what you can try, so what you're finding is you're wrong, you're wrong 70% of the time generally. So the female intuition is wrong, you're telling me. I can assure you the male intuition is wrong too. <laughs> So just for grins now, for the next couple of weeks, whatever you think it's going to do, take the complete opposite of it and watch what happens then. And you'll still be wrong 70% of the time. 
right? And really, so once you get that through your head to say, I really have no clue. Now, so once you get that, you kind of, you know, drink that Kool-Aid that says, I have no idea. Now what you do, that'll train your brain to say, don't get so jumpy on the news because you're wrong all the time. But there are some news items that are crucially important and big deals. And you've got to be able to filter those out, factor those into your thinking. But I can't just give you a list and say, here's the 48 things that you're listening for. You've got to be able to determine that yourself. And what you'll find is there may be something today that will be important from a news perspective that in two years will be nothing, right? Or something in two years will be important, but today it was nothing. And so it's a little bit of a fluid, dynamic environment. But generally, a lot of 70, 80% of it is worthless. And so like, well, why do they do that then? Why does CNBC pump it up as big stuff? Why? Because they got to create a, if they get you excited, right? It keeps you watching and it drives eyeballs to the broker pages, to the mutual funds, to all the people that are advertising to come on there. So it's, it's this weird dichotomy when you watch CNBC or Bloomberg, you got to watch to be able to pick up stuff, but you have to watch and not listen. And it's, it's just this comfort zone. The best, I think I told this story before. A couple years ago, a guy missed the first class. Did I tell you guys about this? And so I took, we went to met him for, at lunch at a Polly's over in Long Beach, just down the street from where you are. And we're just about three in the afternoon, and it's he and I and a couple other people, and we're back in a back booth. And all of a sudden, the waitress or the hostess stands up, and she said, excuse me, can I get everybody's attention? And I looked at him, and I said, let's go. And what? I said, come on, let's go. And I stood up, I started to grab him and pull him, walk to the emergency. And he said, where are you going? I said, let's go. He said, what? I said, dude, Pulp Fiction, right? When they stand up and say, everybody get your attention, this is a robbery. I'm thinking, when have you ever heard a hostess in a restaurant say, can I get everybody's attention? It's either there's a fire or there's a robbery. Either one of those, I want to be there, so let's get the hell out. And then she said, if you'll put your business card on the table, we're doing a drawing for a free pie. True story. And we went over, I, I kind of laughed and we sat back down. And, but we, it was a very interesting psychological discussion. You say, am I reacting from fear in that way? Or is that common sense? That's street smart. I went to SC, right? It's in the ghetto. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with this stuff. <laughs> Had a little experience with that. And so that to me just says it's street smart. Somebody else would say it's fear. I didn't run, but it's just, it's common sense. And so, on, and I used it in telling the story with him. I said, at the time, my kid was probably four or five. I said, if he'd have been there, he'd have stood up on the booth and looked around to see what was going on, right? Only because he doesn't have any common sense or street smart. He doesn't have experience. It's what? He has no fear. Yeah. No brains too. No, no brains, no headaches, right? You got a question? If you'd like to buy a new TV once a year, watch Susie Orman. Because once a year, she'll say something will just totally piss you off. You'll throw something at the TV. You get a new TV once a year. It's a great way to do it. <laughs> exactly. One will say north, east, south, and west. They'll all say, and they're all looking at the same thing. Which really says you have to, and they're quote unquote the experts, Right? You'll be fine. You don't need to worry about that. But you need to filter out that. That's why you pay attention and, and track it and realize after time what they... It's not so much that Bob or Sue said something wrong. You learn to realize what they say is not important. But sometimes there are nuggets in there. So you have to listen to this enough to figure out what's important and what's not. And there's no magic formula other than time. Oh, Nigerian? Mm -hmm. Crack dealer. Right? Give you the first dose for free and then you're hooked for life. All right. Then another question. That was it. Okay, cool. So 30 news trades. So Veronica, back to what we're saying. So you, if you're sucking now, try whatever you think it is, take the complete opposite. Do it for a few weeks, you'll find you'll suck then too. And then you'll get numb to it and say, okay, what is it that I'm trying to learn? And just, just go with it. And never ask why. 
You don't care why. You'll never figure it out. It doesn't matter. So that's the news trades. Then on paper, you're supposed to be finding two good trades per week, any time frame, daily, 233 or 55. Find eight bad ones. A good trade means it's a perfect setup. All three indicators cross on the same candle. That's a good setup. That's a good trade. A bad trade is one that is not. Initially, what I would suggest you do, just throw a dart at the wall. Whatever it hits, call that one a trade. If it's a bad trade, just see what happens. And see if you can even just make a prediction. I think this one will go up or down and see, how, see what your batting average is. And over time, then what you want to do is to say, what happens if I find it where the, if a triple cross on the same candle is a perfect, is a good setup? What if it's off by one candle? Call that a bad trade and track it. Say, well, what if Stoke crosses first or last or MACD crosses first or last? And start tracking all those things and start making notes of it. By the way, one example does not mean everything will be like that. You've got to have a pretty good sample size. And then you've got to have a good sample size across various times of the year. There's a whole bunch of factors that come into play when you're doing this, which is why we do this on paper for a year and why I expect you to suck in your first year with real money. It takes a while. There's a lot of stuff you got to see. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Can you repeat that? I don't think you can. Okay. What does against the trend mean? Okay. Okay. Perfect. Now, now don't just look at MACD on the trend chart. Look at the indicator. Notice it doesn't say indicators with an S. You look at all the indicators on all the charts. You want to write down something in your notes, at cat. All the charts all the time. You always are aware of what all the charts are doing. And so, Veronica, you're going to find over time, if I said, okay, let's go look at ABC stock today on a weekly chart, and every indicator, the price, the stoke, and MACD will look like this, right? They're all open and spread pointing down. And if you look at that, you say, what direction is that stock going to go? Probably going to go down. Now, what if stoke is pointing this way, and MACD is pointing that way, and price is pointing that way? I don't know. I know but I want you to know. And so what you want to do is you start tracking those things to say, when I see this, so really you're almost doing prediction stuff. When I see this, what's going to happen? And see, what's the coolest thing about the stock market people don't realize that I think anyway, I think businesses we've got, I got a tennis pro. Anybody have owned a small business? Got a doc, got a banker, an accountant, tech sales people, don't do anything. And teachers. Yeah, exactly. Wife does MLM, right? Do you, do you also? Used to. What do you do? Okay. Can you practice real estate? Can't, can you? I mean, you have, to make, you have to make offers, and if they are good offers, suddenly you own real estate. Can't really practice that one, right? And if you did it right, and if you're doing flippers or flips, whatever else, if you did it right, cool. If you did it wrong, not so good. Yeah, exactly. It's a long-term holding. <laughs> And so, but the challenge is you can't practice real estate. But what's cool is you can practice the stock market. You don't have to go into business. You don't have to spend a dime. If you just will follow the rules on paper, the only thing you can't account for is your emotions. It feels differently with real money, but you can work on every other thing with the stock market without having to put a dime into it. That to me is the coolest thing. I, don't, I know of no other business where you can practice and see what the results will be. But you've got to practice as if it's real. You can't bullshit around and go, oh, yeah, I would have done that trade or I would have gone out three days ago now that it cratered. You can't. You've got to be honest with yourself. So eight bad trades per week on paper. Write them down. 
Write down why you think they won't work. Then, with your trades, log every single one of them. Write down everything that you see. Write down what you knew. Write down what you felt. Do that on, the, on each of the time frames when you enter in a chart or enter in a trade. And then do the same thing when you exit. Staple it all together. Throw it in a file. Go back and look at it about every 90 to 180 days. You'll be stunned at how much you've improved over the last 90 days. Only if you'll write it down. If you don't write anything down, you can't see your improvement. You won't learn anything. And you'll wish you would have. So document all of them. Log every one of them. I don't see them here today. There's one guy that has done it better than anyone I see. And if you look, when he brings in his kind of a manila folder, it's about this thick with his trades that he keeps. He keeps a 90-day rolling counter, if you will, on this. And if you look at it, each one has got basically a paragraph written on every page. What he knew, what he saw, what he felt. He can go back and he can analyze it. And he can see the patterns in himself that he's doing right and what he's doing incorrectly. We talked in the last class about a personalized spreadsheet, a pro forma. Anybody try and do that? By the way, how'd you sleep on the Monday after, or that Sunday night after class? Sleep okay? A little bit wired and buzzed. Okay? Work up, no, doesn't look good at all. Work up a personalized spreadsheet if you haven't done it yet to see what is possible. And then once you start working this and you see what your personal results are, then add those ROIs in to see what the impact will be. You'll like the results. And that'll be, hopefully that's enough of a motivator to get spending an hour a day doing this. Then the last thing, I talk about this broadly without going into detail, start developing a trading plan. What do I mean by a trading plan? A trading plan. What is your plan? What are you going to do? At this level, you could write it with a crayon, right? And a dull crayon. It doesn't have to be precise. My expectation would be at this point of your development, your trading plan would say, I'm going to follow all the rules. I'm going to spend an hour a day. I'm only going to trade a 3x, and I'm looking for these factors with that 3x. And I'll follow money management rules and all those pieces. And you build all that into your plan. I plan to do X number of trades per month in the trading account, X number of trades in the income account. Just map it out. And now as you start executing against that plan, you know, every three to six months, sorry, but every three months, go back and look at your results. Are you going to your plan? If you're not, either get going with the plan or change the plan, right? I don't know, what, I don't know if the issue is you or if you've got a bad plan, but adjust. This is the one thing, there is no manager on this except the IRS and maybe your spouse if they look over your shoulder. But you don't have to report to anybody how you do. The only one that knows is you. So it's all on you to take the proper steps. Write the plan. Any questions on that, on the review? All right, next piece. Is that page 188? Yeah, question. If I hear the question, are you saying, am I, are you saying, am I aware of what the econ upcoming economic events are or do I try and predict what they're going to be? On paper, yeah, predict all you want. And then you'll find it's as good as taking a quarter under your thumb and going, <laughs> and looking. I don't try and predict. Nine times out of 10, personally, I don't even know what economic reports are coming up. Very rarely am I in tune with that. I know it's coming because I've had CNBC on and they're saying, oh, you know, Yellen's going to get up and say something. And minutes will come out. And even if you weren't aware, if you look at the market for about three minutes during the day, look at a five-minute chart, it looks like someone died. It's just a flat line. There's no action on you. Look at that. And if it's on a Tuesday or Wednesday, we probably got Fed meetings. So that's the one way that I'll know it. But I generally, I couldn't tell you when the next one comes up.
I don't pay that close attention to it, which is a little bit different than what, I, what you might have expected my answer to be. Okay, yeah, because half the time, I, it's a coin toss. I have no way of knowing. If there is an announcement coming up and I see a beautiful setup, I might hold off on getting in just because I don't know what's going to happen. And if it means I miss the trade, I miss the trade. That's okay. Likewise, if I'm going to enter in a housing trade, for example, I want to buy a home builder or something associated with that and housing starts are coming up, nine times out of 10, I don't worry about it. Occasionally, and it, I, I've not been able to figure out what causes me to do or not do anything. It's just a gut feel. And usually I'm wrong. So I've just learned I don't worry about it. I just know I may get slammed. The way you can prove this to yourself, great question. The way you can prove this to yourself is look at the charts. Pick, any, pick a home builder as an example. Back up the charts and watch where the indicators cross and then lay out where the economic reports get released. You'll see that when the economic reports get released, very rarely does it budge the indicators, which is why this is all about the indicators. Indicators, 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 indicators. I won't tell you a trade that I'm in now, but a trade that I'm in now, I have no clue what the price is, but the indicators are going in my favor. I think I'm up. I'm not sure, but the indicators are going right in the favor. And I can see there's another about five or six bucks available to the next target. What did it do Friday? It went in my favor. How much? I know I got like five or six bucks to go. That'll change on Monday because that moving average that I'm looking at for it to bottom, for it to, it's coming down, for it to hit is rising. So it may only be three bucks by the end of Monday. I worried about it. I know where it is relative to that indicator, not the price. Don't get caught up in price. Get caught up in price, you get slammed. All right, next piece, earnings and warnings. There are two seasons in the market. It's always one or the other. It's warning season or it's earnings season. Earnings season is a six, maybe a seven-week period. Earnings is a six or seven-week period during which the vast majority, I think it's like 85%, the last time I heard a percentage quoted, of companies announce their results in that six to seven-week window. We're in it now. It starts on the first, I can say this like a lawyer, it starts on the first week of the first month of a quarter. So January, April, July, and October. And it runs for about that six, seven week period. You will find that at that time, more often than not, the market is volatile. It reacts to the news of companies announcing earnings, either doing well or not doing well, or guiding well or not guiding well. So they may say, hey, we sold a bunch of stuff last quarter and we're very profitable. And that sounds great and wonderful. And then they'll say, oh, by the way, we sold next quarter's stuff too. So next quarter's results are going to stink. So our guidance is lowered. And while they may have been very profitable and sold a lot of stuff in the last 90 days, they give you a hint that says the next 90 days may not be as rosy and the stock will get hammered for that. Conversely, you'll see other examples where a company will say, we didn't sell much this last quarter. And what we did sell, we didn't sell very profitably. So we really kind of stunk up the joint. But man, is it looking good next quarter. And you may see the stock jump on those kind of news. So that's the things you've got to learn to track with the news. Warning season is the following six to seven week period. And typically what happens is companies will announce their expectations for the upcoming quarter, for the upcoming earnings season. So that will, I think I've got the dates listed up here next. That follows earnings season. And it goes warnings, earnings, warnings, earnings, warnings, earnings, warnings, earnings. So we start, we're in 
earnings season now. It starts with Alcoa's announcement. And that usually is in the first week or so. Usually it's the first four or five days of the quarter. Yeah, Alcoa Aluminum. And so you can see on there, we've got earnings from about July 4th to mid-August. It starts with Alcoa. It used to end with about Dell. Dell went private about two years ago. So but it's right around mid-August. You'll be able to tell because the, the flood of earnings releases slows down to a trickle. Now, and then once that mid-August period hits, there still will be a few companies that will announce earnings after that. There's no law that says they can't. But it'll slow down to a very, very, very light trickle. Very few companies will announce. And then it'll start up again about seven weeks later, give or take the first couple of days into October when Alco announces again. And so we cycle through that. Early January, but first week of January through mid-February, starts with Alcoa, ends mid-February. Then we go warning. Early April through about mid-May, then into warnings. Then early July through about mid-August, then into warnings. So just by knowing that, and if there's not a lot of catalyst action in warning season, where do you think the market is going to just historically go dead? Probably mid-August. Right? There's not a lot of activity going on news-wise. People are on vacation. We're going into Labor Day, so people tend to take time off. The volume will dry up in the summer. If you haven't heard it already, you'll hear someone was talking about their favorite commentator on CNBC. Usually in early May, maybe mid-May, Bob Pisani will come on and he'll say, well, here's what's going on today. And folks, the volume is really dry. It is such light volume. And he'll say that again and again and again like it's some big news item. But it happened last year also. And it happened the year before that and the year before that. As the stock's going into earnings, it's not surprising to see it be bullish. It's not a guarantee, but it's not a surprise. Now, that doesn't mean in the last 10 minutes before they announce earnings. It could be a week or two, even three weeks before, where you'll see the stock will start to rise going into earnings. But if we're looking to trade that, what are we looking for? Indicators, 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 indicators. What happens on this, if you think about this, what we're looking for is a setup on a chart or triple cross. When we see that, we're looking to see if we've got enough opportunity, if all the things are in our favor, and then we look to enter and catch the ride. Ideally, we've got a catalyst that will cause movement. So we see a setup on a chart, and in an ideal world, we've got a catalyst there for movement. The catalyst may have just occurred or it may be upcoming. Earnings is a great catalyst. And what's even nicer about it, not only does it cause volatility, but what's even nicer is it's known. We know when earnings dates are announced. Companies release them nine, usually almost a year in advance. But you'll know a few days before, at a minimum, when they're going to announce earnings. Warnings, on the other hand, are a wild card. You don't know when that's going to happen. The warnings are the surprise. Earnings are known. Now, the earnings results can be a surprise, but the date of announcement is a known thing. So what we're going to look to do in the next few minutes, I'll explain ways we can trade the, the catalyst opportunities with warnings and with earnings. When a company issues a warning, it's not a surprise to see the stock gap down. It may bounce up a bit. That's with people buying on the dips. And then it continues to trade lower. And there's not a guarantee, but you'll see this again and again and again and again. Now, so we've got potentially a bullish opportunity as we go into earnings. We've got bearish opportunities when we have warnings. None of these are guaranteed because the response of the market is based on the prior expectations of the trading public. So you've got to be nimble and quick 
and be able to read it and not walk in with predetermined opinions on what it's going to do. It moves, you react. It moves, you react. It moves, and you react. And we do this again and again and again and again and again. Earnings get announced every 90 days or so. The other one we're going to talk, we talked about splits last time, didn't we? Splits get announced how often by a company? Every 90 days? Have no idea. Some companies may never announce a split, right? You have no idea. But earnings come up about every 90 days. By the way, did any, I forgot to ask this, did any of you go through, I'll do some of it today. Did you go through the split list to see if you could find setups? Anyone? Oh, you do it? You see them? Of the, hist- of the ones that were on the list. One of your own. That the uh, clothing company? Looked good, didn't it? Uh-huh. So we'll talk about that one a little bit later on today. So let's start off with warnings. Um, oh, by the way, in warning season, it'll start off with nothing. So what happens is a, a companies are announcing earnings. We get to about mid of the second month of the quarter and the activity level will dry up. And then as you get in the latter part of warning season, that's when you tend to see more activity in warnings announcements. So it'll start off very, very slow, and then the flood of activity will increase. So you'll see that again and again and again. So, all right, so all that, what does that all mean? What it means is, how do we trade this stuff? So you look on the next page, page 189. What we're looking for on the warnings trades, you're looking for stocks that move well from day to day in a normal activity. Hey, don't try and trade the dead. That movement is what we're going to try and jump on when there's a warnings announcement and try and make money that way. Now, warnings announcements are made when the market is closed, and the market is closed Eastern time between 4 and 9.30 a.m., so 4 p.m. to 9.30 a.m. the next day. The West Coast in L.A., market closes at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It opens at 6.30 in the morning. So sometime between 1 p.m. and 6.29 a.m., companies will announce, will make a warnings announcement. When that warning is announced, that becomes the decision point to buy puts. Okay? It's the announcement itself. If you, wait, if you see that on a daily chart, if you wait for that daily candle to close, you likely miss the opportunity. Okay? The fact that they're making the warning announcement, that is our decision point. And now we're going to look and see if we have an opportunity with that. Now, when you do this trade, you've got to be aware of all the time frames. So you don't just, and you notice it says here, the action chart on this is a five-minute chart. Whoa, what if I can't see the market during the day? Then don't trade this technique. So if you can't look at it today or any day, just understand this, but don't try and trade this technique. So now with a warnings announcement, the expectations the stock like is going to likely gap down. What we're going to do now is wait for the stock to pull back. It's going to rise. So stock's doing its thing. They come out and they say, hey, we're not going to sell as much next quarter as we thought. Wall Street or the analysts hear that and they think, wait a minute, you just came out in the last less than 90 days on your earnings announcement and you said, hey, everything's looking rosy for the next quarter. And now six weeks later, you're telling me it's not looking rosy? That really tells me two things as the analyst community. One, either you lied to me or two, you don't have a clue what's going on in your business. Either one of those situations, I'm going to clobber your stock. And so the analyst will dogpile on that thing and say it's a piece of dirt and the market will spook and the stock will gap lower. 
When it opens up in the morning, it will get gapped down. How much down? You go look at these, you'll see. There's no hard and fast answer. You'll be able to spot them. Now, what happens now? So you've got CNBC on in, in LA. You wake up at 5.30 in the morning, you flip it on. You got Faber and all the other guys there talking about ABC stock has come out with this warnings announcement. Oh my God, it's going to be horrible. And the pre-market, the stock is down six bucks. And they're all nervous about it. What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? So now what you're going to do at 6.30, you're going to see the market open down, what I say, six bucks on ABC stock. And what happens then is there are people that really wanted to own ABC stock and they hear, oh, it just dropped six bucks. It's six bucks less. Let's buy it. And so people buy the dip. If you don't think this happens, watch Apple. Anytime there's bad news on Apple, the thing will gap down and you'll see it pop up. Every fool is trying to buy the dip, thinking this thing's going to run to $14,000 or whatever they think it's going to run to. So what you're doing is you're watching for that rise. People, the dips buying the dip. Do not buy the dips. You're watching for that rise. That's the pullback. And so the pullback is when it moves in the opposite direction of the decision point, the 3x. With warnings, you're not going to have a 3x. The catalyst on this is the warning. The decision is the warning. That's your catalyst. After the pullback, or as the pullback is going, ideally you want to see price hit the opposite band. And then you're going to look for MACD and two of the other indicators to cross. You've got to have MACD. You've got to have MACD. Highlight this. They do not have to cross simultaneously. Okay, but in your practice, you're going to be able to discern and get a feel for what happens if they cross, you know, Maybe not simultaneously, but within one candle. What's the likelihood of that working? What if they don't cross within eight candles of one another? What's the likelihood of that working? And so you want to practice a bunch of these so you get a sense for that. Now, once you see them all cross, that becomes your entry on the warnings trade. And now once you've done that, or as you're about to enter, you've got to be aware of the bigger chart timeframes. You want to be sure that it is still worthwhile. Sometimes what will happen on that pullback, price will do interesting things on the larger chart timeframes that would say, I don't want to get in here because I'm not sure. So you may choose to pass on those, which is totally fine. There will be other trades. As you do this trade, you must, 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 must be patient. You're waiting for the ideal setup. How do you know what the ideal setup is? An hour a day, for years. You've got to look at a lot of these things. There's a whole bunch of factors that you're looking for. The entry may not occur for a couple of days. Not that it's going to show up in the first half hour. You may not see it for a couple of days. You've got to be aware of the market calendar. We covered that last time, I believe. And any upcoming events, both related to your stock, maybe the, the lead stock in that sector, or any economic reports. When you do the trade, you're going to buy puts that are either in the money or one strike out of the money. At this level, at this level of your development, buy next month's puts. Do not buy this month's puts. So buy next month's puts. Now, when I say next month, you know, if you're at the very tail end of a month, the current it's next month in option terms, if you will. When you do this, 50% using in the money puts, you'll see 50% It's not uncommon. Triple digit returns can show up with the out of the money puts. But remember, you've got time of year consideration. So if you're in the summer where the market is normally dead, 
I probably would be a little hesitant to do an out-of-the-money put trade on a warnings announcement. On the other hand, if we're at the spring highs and everything looks like it's getting ready to roll over and we're at the time of year where we tend to see down moves, you're more likely to see larger ROIs on an out-of-the-money put trade. So what's the time frame we're looking at on this again? A five-minute chart. How long does it take for a five-minute candle to paint? Five minutes. <laughs> that is not a trick question. It takes five minutes to make one candle. What that says is, you don't, I've said before, when you see, I don't know if you guys went back and studied this, when you see the indicators cross, how long does it take generally before they'll cross again? We covered this, right? In the number of teens in the candles, we cover that? A high number of teens. So that works on a five-minute chart too. So if it takes, let's say, 15, 18 candles to cross, 15 five-minute intervals is how long? It's an hour and 15 minutes. Don't go to the gym, right? Don't get on a three-hour conference call and not be able to look at the market. The trade will not last all day. It's a very quick trade. So, well, wait, my job, I'm a surgeon. I'm, a, I'm an anesthesiologist. I, I can't see the market certain times of the day. Great. Don't do the trade. Well, I'm in conference calls today. Terrific. There's a guy, he's not here today. There's a guy who's a firefighter that does this. So he's some, and he's, he does brush fires. So he sometimes is out in the middle of nowhere doing this stuff. He can't do this trade. There's no problem. There's hundreds of other trades. If you miss one, it's, not, it's like a bus. There's always another one coming. Got a question, Steve? So what he's saying is I'm in XYZ stock. It's not the sector leader. It's a, let's say it's a retail stock. And Walmart comes out and issues a warning. And if Walmart sneezes, then all other retailers get the flu, is generally what happens. And his question is, when I hear that, does that mean I bail on my non-Walmart trade? And my answer would be, you bail on that trade when the, you look at the close of the candle on your entry chart. So if you did it on a daily chart, you'd wait for the daily chart to close or within a few minutes of the close. If you're in on a 55, you'd have to wait for that 55-minute candle to close and then assess. Because otherwise, if you just, you know, if you hear, you know, Walmart, what do we say? Walmart gets the, has a sneeze. You know, they've got, they get a cold and everyone else is going to probably die in retail because Walmart sneezes. That re if you react immediately at 6.32 in the morning, guess what you're reacting to? News. And how are you doing on your news batting average? You suck, right? <laughs> so you got to let the candle close. So if you're on a 55-minute chart, you got to give it an hour. If you're on a daily chart, you got to give it the day. That make sense? Okay. Well said. Yes, ma'am. You're not in, on this example. You're not in Walmart. You're in some other retailer. Oh, if you can't see the market, you mean? Understand? Okay. No. Try it again. So you're saying so you were in, so you use the Walmart example. So you're in a retail stock. Going up or down doesn't matter. You're so on something else. So you saw three X on the daily chart on let's say Abercrombie. A&F, so you're in going up. Everything looks great. A couple days later, you think, this is great. Uh, you know, Porsche.com, right? You're, you're spending the money that you know you're going to make on this trade. Now you get what I'm saying, Porsche, right? <laughs> and so now, a couple days later, Walmart comes out with bad news. Warnings announcement. Craters it. And you look at Abercrombie and go, oh, I'm going to put it in the dirt. You can't exit that until the close of the time frame of your entry time frame. If you're in on a 233, you got to stick around until 1030 in the morning. Is that what you're asking? Well, that was a good answer to the question you didn't ask, though, right? <laughs> okay. It's not miss the target. You're going to miss trades because you just can't see the 
You were busy today. You couldn't look at the chart to get in. Okay, I like the never mind part. Think about it. I'm not sure. I don't think I'm answering your question. I don't think I understand the question. Okay, no problem. Yes, sir. How do you know it's a wick? Exactly. The only way you know it's a wick until after the candle closes. When you enter the trade, you don't know when. When you enter the trade, outside of a gap, when you enter the trade, you don't know where you're going to get out. It's either going to go at any time interval. So you enter the trade on Monday, expecting it to go up, a daily chart. You don't know if you're going to get out on Tuesday or in three weeks, right? Because you have no idea. I'm pretty good at this. I'm not that good. I can't tell. I mean, I can, get, I can give you a guess, but I never know. And so, and I also don't know what the price is going to be. But I do have targets that say if it gets out down to this level on a, not a stop loss, but this is where my point of pain is, I'll be out if it breaks this level. On the upside, if it goes up and it hits a moving average, a Bollinger Band, or something, I'll be out when it hits up there. But I don't know what that price point's going to be because those moving averages are fluctuating every day. They change day to day to day because we're adding today's data and dropping off the time frame from, or the, the value from 50 periods ago on a 50 MA. Good answer, Chris? Good answer, Chris. Okay. Yes, ma'am. No. Good question. Now, that's not basic. So, your question was on a warnings trade. Is the end? So, if you hear a warnings on Monday night, is the trade on Tuesday? Not always. It'd be a couple days out. Lawyers love that because now I'm never wrong. The five minute chart. So, if you're in a five minute chart and you figure, you know, on, I don't like to use the word average, but on average, a trade might last, you know, teens in the number of candles. If, if, take a 12. If it's 12 five minute intervals, that's an hour. So you're in the trade for an hour, max, right? If it lasts 18, you're in for an hour and a half. But once you get in, this is not a, it might take you a couple days to get in to get the setup. But once you've pressed enter to get in, you're getting out very likely that day. Or if you get in late in the day, you might be out very early the next day. Make sense? Okay. Good. Okay. How much is a five minute chart going to move? You're going to see $30 movement on that in an hour? Probably not, right? Which says from a size of feast, is this a Thanksgiving feast trade? No, this is a Hershey kiss, a chocolate chip cookie, maybe cut in half. It's a quick brick. It's, and it, I don't like to use the word a small brick. It's still a brick, but this is not, you do not want to make a steady diet of these. If you make a steady diet of chocolate chip cookies, you will die. Ah, good question. So how do you cover the bid ask spread on this? You're doing this on stocks that are volatile, that move a lot. And so you'll find you go practice these, sometimes you'll find the bid-ask spread is very, very wide when you're looking to get in. How do you know if it's too wide? Experience. And sometimes you just let them go. And the ones you let go absolutely will work the best because you're not in, right? And you just got to get comfortable with that, okay? Remember too, this is not, what I say earlier, I expect you guys to do this for 60 years, right? And if you do 100 trades a year, that's 6,000 trades that you're going to do over the course of your lifetime. How many trades do you think you're going to miss? A hell of a lot more than 6,000, let me assure you. It'll feel like you missed 6,000 in a year. You're going to miss a ton of them for whatever reason. It may not have met your criteria. Something was in your head saying, don't do it. You were busy at work. You're going to miss them. Do not beat yourself up. Go find the next one. Go find the next one. Go find the next one. You see, I kind of, I think people get sick of it, but years ago I had... Um, at IBM, one of my clients was a big music retailer off of Wilshire in downtown LA. Took the CEO and the CIO out to dinner one night at the Ivy up in West Hollywood. Sitting next to me at the table was Julia Roberts. I turned on charm like I have never, I don't normally hit on people. I was single at the time. Boy, I turned on the charm like I've never seen. She turned me down. I've never forgotten it, right? 
But I let, and you'll do the same thing with your trades. You'll have screwed up a trade and you'll hold on to that thing for life. Let it go. She doesn't remember me either. It's okay, right? Let it go. You're going to miss trades. Don't worry about it. I would look good with the paparazzi though. I just know it. Anyway. Any questions on that? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. <laughs> just happened. It just happened. Okay, do me a favor, take two minutes, turn to your neighbor, tell him what I just told you about the warnings trades. Go. I like it. All right, did your, did your neighbor hear something that you didn't hear? Did you hear something your neighbor didn't hear? Well, how could you say yes to one and not to the other one? Come on, think about it. All right, by the way, I forgot to say this up front. This class four is my favorite class. I love this one. This shit's boring. This stuff pays really well, by the way, but it's really kind of boring. This is really the greed class. You're going to see some incredible greedy opportunities. If, if any of you are gunslinger greedy types that just like, I really just want to be rich by Christmas, this, you'll love this class. You're not going to be rich by Christmas, I guarantee. But it's some incredible ROIs that we'll look at later on. But you got to understand these basic concepts first. Okay? Let's back up. Warnings are pretty straightforward. Okay? It's just, a, it's, you're reacting to news. The next piece then is earnings. Earnings, 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 earnings. Earnings. What did we cover in class three at the end? Splits. Known catalyst. They come out regularly. We don't know what company will announce, but they're announced regularly. They cause movement. Earnings, known catalyst, does come out regularly, causes movement. Both of those are awesome catalysts to trade. Love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. The course, almost all the stuff in the course is built around splits and earnings. Frankly, all this other stuff is stuff that you'll, if you study the splits and earnings stuff like I tell you to, if you go study it, you'll discover this other stuff too. And you'll see opportunities that are there as a result of splits and earnings. And you'll see them repeat again and again and again and again. The earnings stuff is next. Where did the earnings stuff come from? Number of years ago, Dell came out. Michael Dell stood up on a podium and said, hey, we had a bang up quarter. Last quarter was back in the mid 90s, I think. We sold a ton of Dell machines and we're gonna kick butt next quarter. Thank you, Wall Street, and stock popped. A buddy of mine, very good trader, saw that. Thought, Man, that's awesome. And he went out and he marked his calendar. He looked ahead and he said, well, Dell's going to announce earnings on whatever the date was, 90 days out, 45, whatever the date was. And he made a note in his calendar and told himself just by calls that morning. And so time passed, looked at the calendar, knew that Dell was going to announce earnings that afternoon after the close. He was on top of it, disciplined. Sometime that day, he bought call options. Knew the world was his oyster. Because Dell himself, the guy whose name is on the company, the CEO came out and said, we're going to kick butt this quarter. So he just bought call options, knowing he was going to get rich on this trade. As he tells the story, walked up to his wife and said, you are so lucky you married me. Right? Up to the kids. You're lucky that my, my genes are coursing through your veins. Right? Mom could have picked somebody else. You're lucky because your dad is incredibly smart. Turned on, bought his, bought his call options, market closed. 
Sure enough, the camera pans out. There's Michael Dell walking up to the podium to do the earnings announcements on the analyst conference call. Stands up and he said, you know, we sold a lot of stuff. Everything went well, but man, we ain't going to sell anything next quarter. His trade went basically to zero by the next morning. Cleared him out on the trade, which is why you practice proper money management, because you will have trades that go to zero. Just happens. He was pissed off. And he, looked, he waited a day or two, went back and looked at the chart. And he realized, oh crap, look at that. It had a huge bullish move going into earnings. I bought it right at the top, just as they were done. And then he went back and he looked and he said, Jesus, they did it last year also. The same thing on that same quarter. And they did it the year before that as well. And the year before that as well. And the year before that as well. And a light bulb went on. said, I wonder if there's a pattern with this. And there is. And you'll hear CNBC talk about it every now and then. If you're listening. They're not going to come out and say, you know, Dell always rises in the August quarter before they announce earnings. You'll hear them kind of hint to it. It's rare that they say it, but you'll see this quite a bit. So that's where the earnings trade comes from. So just the fact that a company is going to announce earnings can cause an increase in the daily price activity, daily price movement. Just the mere fact that they're scheduled to announce earnings can cause that. That increase in volatility is much more noticeable on volatile stocks. It sounds like the Department of Redundancy Department. It's much more volatile on volatile stocks. Said differently, don't try and do this on stocks that don't move. You want to have volatile stocks. That increase in movement where the stocks get more volatile can happen up to about a month in advance of an earnings release date. That's the pre-earnings period. There's possibility of movement all the way up to the earnings release date. So what's a company that doesn't move much? Alcoa, as an example. Today, now watch, they'll start moving just because I said they don't move and I'm recording this. So let's assume that they continue to not move. Just the fact that they're going to be announcing earnings, don't try and trade Alcoa. On the other hand, if Priceline, a very volatile stock these days, has an earnings release date, you may want to go back and see, is it noticeably volatile every year? going into this quarter's earnings release date? And is there a pattern of bullishness or bearishness? I don't know what stocks have patterns of movement. You got to do some research. This technique takes time. This technique takes effort, but so does your job. The nice thing is you do this effort once and it pays this year and next year and the year after that and the year after that. Unless you sell insurance and get residuals, I don't know of any other employment where you do something once and you keep getting paid year after year after year. I guess songwriters would get that. A few things offer royalties. But beyond that, you still have to work every day for your paycheck coming in. This one, you just have to do the work once. So what I would start to do is I would start with the best moving stocks on your watch list. And the idea is to find movement in one of those or some of those and see if that is repeatable year to year to year to year. What you may want to do is start with the upcoming quarter's earnings release schedule. There's a calendar that shows when a company is supposedly, and they're not 
required by law to meet that date, but supposedly going to release earnings. You can find that published on the web. It's very straightforward. There's earnings calendars all over the place. And there's a list of those in the first class manual. It's one of the things about on the research page. Now, what you're going to do, you're going to analyze the pre-earnings period as well as the post-earnings period. So it's the ballpark month after they announce earnings. And you're going to look the same quarter for the last five years or so. So if we've got, I think, did IBM announce yet? They do on Tuesday. So IBM announces on the, if I remember, I think it's the third Tuesday of the first month of a quarter. So they're coming up on Tuesday with earnings announcements. What you could do is go back last year and look at IBM's movement and see if there is a bullish or bearish move going into or coming out of earnings. And then look two years back and three years back and four years back and see if you see a pattern of movement. It doesn't have to be a trade. Don't confuse the two. It's movement. And if you see that it generally moves or historically moves at that time of year, year to year to year, guess what you might look to trade next year or at least watch for it and see if it gives you an entry. Because when we do a trade, we still have to do proper entry, intelligent exit according to plan, make a brick. But if there's a historical likelihood or a historical tendency for it to do a bullish or bearish move as it goes into that, that would be really nice to know. Maybe it would repeat again this year. Huh, not that hard. Very simple, just takes work. Now, when you do this, you're going to find some stocks that have consistent moves. You're going to find other stocks that are consistently inconsistent. And you'll find other stocks that don't move at all. Not every stock is going to give you a pattern that is tradable, that is usable, that is helpful. That's okay. There are plenty of them out there. I don't see them here today. Going to come today? There's a guy that he's in the fast track class. He took this oh, four years ago, I guess, for the first time. First time he took the class, he'll stand up and tell you, he goes, when I first did this, it sounded really cool. I didn't do anything with it for about a year. And then he ran into me later on and he said, you know, I was thinking about it. I should probably do this again. He sat through the class again. He loves this stuff now. Tells me all the time, he goes, this is, people have no idea the value of this stuff. He'd pay tenfold to sit through one class, right? The dollars that are there are phenomenal. But what's interesting on it, I send out a watch list to everybody once a year. What he does, as soon as he gets the watch list, he hunkers down for about 30 days and he does earnings research on every stock in the watch list right off the bat. And what's funny on that, he said, I think I know why you put this one in. Why? He said, because it has a bunch of earnings moves. I said, you think? <laughs> I said, yeah. He goes, how come I don't hear anybody else talking about it? I said, because they're lazy. They don't want to do the work. Because that's stupid. I said, I know. I know what I, I can tell them, but I do it. So the historical pattern can act as a catalyst for movement. The entry criteria is the same. Proper entry, intelligent exit according to plan. You want the 3X on whatever time frame you're trading. 55 daily, 233, it doesn't matter. When you're in the trade on a pre-earnings trade, do not hold through earnings. You got to close out the trade before they announce earnings. Earnings is the wild card. You might get lucky and make a ton of money. You might get unlucky and lose your entire trade. Do not hold through earnings. Too much of a wild card. It's just a coin toss. It is not worth doing. You don't know, one, what the news will be, and you don't know how traders are going to react to that news. That's two big unknowns. It is not worth it. Just close the trade. Much more prudent to be in cash. Cash is a position. Just understand. 
before you get in any trade, doesn't matter earnings trade or otherwise, before you get in any trade, you got to know the earnings date for that company. So that is one thing. It's on the log, on your trade log. You've got to know the earnings date. There are no exceptions. Do not hold through earnings. So wait a minute. What about my long-term holdings? That's not a trade. You're owning that forever in theory. You're going to ride through earnings on those. Don't care. On a trade, do not hold a trade through earnings. Okay, to do the research on this, there's a couple of different ways you can do this. You can study the historical pricing, which is why I learned to do it, which basically says you go to Yahoo and you print out the historical pricing, you kill a couple of trees, and you look through the numbers and you can see the patterns. They jump out at you. Or you can look at the charts. It's up to you. Some people print it. Some people do it online. It's up to you. Try both ways. Figure it out. When Chris worked for IBM, we would talk regularly and he would have the ticker streaming across his work computer while he was doing his work. And so he had looking at a chart. He's watching the price action. He could say, oh, this one's going to rise just by watching the stream of numbers flowing across on the ticker. You can do it. It takes time. Now, these guys did it back in the 1910s, 1920s. They watched the ticker. It is very, it takes a while to learn, but you can do it. He was doing it. That's how he started off. Like, well, guy, he's a young guy. You think he'd be smart and could look at charts. He started off by looking at tickers, and you just notice the stream of price action. You can see the price is moving. You can see when it's going. It, it takes time to get it, but I could do it a little bit. He was really good at it. I'm just kind of mediocre at it, but it can totally be done. On the other hand, it took him a long time not to look at the tickers, right? He got addicted to that crack, right? It's like meth. It's very, very addicting. It's hard to break that habit. But now if you ask him how often you look at the market, he barely looks at it and does pretty well at this. So different ways you can do the research. I would try them all. Look, just print out that you, we did before we did how to pull the um, historical pricing. Print out a court, print out five years worth in the months before, let's say IBM announces their August earnings and see if you can see a pattern just looking at the numbers. And then go look at a chart and see what you see. Say, so well, now what if I do it online? Well, try it online too. Try it and see. And try it for a few. You'll find which one you're more geared towards. Now, the other thing people will do, some of their people, there are people in the room that are programmers that think they're really, really good. Nobody thinks they're lousy. Everybody thinks they're very good at what they do, or at least mediocre. I can assure you, do, if you're a programmer, don't try and do this. And if you've got friends that tell you they're great programmers, they're lying. Do not try and write a program to solve this for you. Because there are so many factors, you've got to be able to understand what those factors are before you can automate it. So people will say, oh, but I know how to code. I, and no, you don't. You don't, know what you don't know what you're looking for. Grind it out. Just grind it out. Do not try and hire a programmer. I've tried, and I'm a pretty communicative guy. I can express myself very well. I'm assuming that it wasn't the programmer's fault. I couldn't explain what I was looking for. And thus, that's what he gave me. He didn't know what I was looking for. Very difficult to program this. Don't even try. Just grind it out. If programmers could solve this stuff, they'd own the world. Just think of it that way. There's a window of opportunity, right? On these is what we're looking for. There's a window of opportunity about a month in advance of earnings, about a month, or sorry, a month prior to earnings and a month following earnings. That's all you're looking for. And look at, you know, at that one month period, look at it this year, last year, two, three, four, five years ago. Kind of a funny story on this. There's a guy local, local in LA, some of you probably know him, He's a retiring, he's probably retired by now, dentist. 
And he's, he's calling up. He said, hey, I think I'm going to quit my job. I trade whatever method he was doing. And I said, I think it's working well. And what I want to do is get like six of us. We'll all go rent an office and we'll compare notes and then do trades, whichever one of us thinks is the right trade to do. And I had, I had to start laughing. I said, well, are you doing well now? Yeah, I do pretty well. It's like, well, then why do you want to hear what five other people say? He said, well, there's more trades. There's more opportunities. I said, well, then the one that wins is the one that's the strongest personality. Because the meek person is not going to stand up and make their case. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, Chris, how do you, what do you do through earnings? So what do you do through earnings? Well, I haven't figured it out yet. So you know what I would do? I would not sell your dental practice. Because <laughs> if you haven't figured that shit out, at a very basically you're going to retire, dude, you're going to have to go back and be a dentist. Well, I don't think so. Okay. That's why, I don't, that's why you don't do six people in a room to come up with trading ideas. Well, I have different opinions on stuff. I haven't heard from him in a long time. I hope he's still retired and not going back to be a dentist now. You got to understand, do not hold your earnings. That'll be very, very clear once you do this.